morning. If you have your Bibles, I want to open to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to continue there this week. I want you to m- use your imagination this morning and, and go back to the year of 1775. A man named Paul Revere made his eternal mark in history with a single horse ride. See, he knew the enemy was coming. He just didn't know if it was by land or by sea. But very late, on a moonlit night, he saw those lanterns in the tower of the old North Church, and he knew the enemy was coming by land. So he rode his horse, and he went from village to village, sounding the alarm that would not only wake up a nation, it would wake up the world, as he cried out, to arms, to arms, the British are coming. Well, this morning, I want to sound another alarm to you. And I want to awaken you to the fact that there is a war going on. Your enemy is on the march, and I am calling you to arms. But not because the British are coming, or the North Koreans are coming, or the you know, Afghanis are coming. No, I'm calling you because the devil is here. See, now we know at the cross, Jesus dealt Satan that fatal blow. But he is still dangerous. And we must be on our guard against him. And just as Satan is a special enemy, he requires special weapons. And Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. In other words, Satan doesn't fear our bombs and our bullets. He fears supernatural weapons found in the armor of God. And in our passage of Scripture this week, that we're going to look at today, Paul tells us that we are to wear to war. Here's what you have to wear in order to fight every day. And there are six pieces of equipment that make up this armor. The first five are for our defense against Satan. And the sixth one is so that we can go on the offense to defeat Satan. And understand, Satan is on the attack because Paul warns us in verse 16, beware of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Satan has a quiver of fiery darts, of flaming arrows, and he hurls them at us every day from every conceivable angle. And the good news is, not one of them can reach us. Not one of them can hurt us. As long as we are wearing the full armor of God. Because each piece of this armor is specifically designed to ward off any darts Satan hurls at us. And it begins with the belt. The belt of truth, and it is for the dart of deception. He said in verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. See, the very first piece of equipment that a Roman soldier would put on would be a girdle or or a belt. And this belt, he would then attach all of the other pieces of armor to it. You see, the soldier would gather up his tunic or this long robe that he was wearing and he would tuck it into this belt so that it wouldn't get in the way during battle. See, the belt of truth represents the Word of God. In Ephesians 1.13, Paul refers to the Word of truth. Right? Jesus said in John 17, Your Word is truth. And in this instance, the Word of God is a defensive weapon. It is to be used to ward off the darts of deception. See, Jesus says something very interesting about the devil in John 8, 44. He says, he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the master of deception. 
I mean, it was his deception that, uh, of Eve that doomed the human race. Right? Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. And the same devil that could deceive Eve in the Garden of Eden can deceive you and I where we live today. I mean, you ever think about the fact that the devil has his doctrines? Right? Just like, just like God has his doctrine, the devil has his. And we're warned in 1 Timothy 4, it says, The Spirit expressly says in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. There is a demonic doctrine. And we are living in a day and age where you need to recognize that false doctrine. There was a Sunday school teacher once, and she asked her students, she said, what is false doctrine? And one little boy raised his hand and said, well, it's when the doctor gives the wrong stuff to people and they get sick and die. <laughs> There's a grain of truth to that. Because false doctrine will kill you. See, we need to put the belt of truth on every day because as surely as you take the belt off, you'll be caught with your pants down. <laughs> and that's when Satan will stick his fork in you. That's when it hurts. And you see, this book is truth. It is not God's word because it is true. It is true because it is God's word. God doesn't say something because it's true. Something is true because God says it is. And no matter what you hear from any other pulpit, any other professor, any other preacher, if it doesn't line up with this book, it is not truth. The reason the devil hates this book so much is because it is the word of truth. And one Bible scholar made this observation. He said, Satan does not waste his ammunition. Professors are being paid to teach philosophy and English and biology and mathematics and Often they take time from their class periods to undermine the Bible and Orthodox Christianity. Why are they not doing the same thing with sacred books of other religions? Well, the answer is Satan, the original liar, is sympathetic with these books that lie. His real enmity is directed against the book of truth because it contains the dynamite for his defeat. So yes, every day we must put on the belt of of truth, which is the Word of God. Second, after we put on the belt of truth, we must put on the breastplate of righteousness to protect us from the darts of disapproval. Right? The breastplate was this tough, sleeveless piece of armor and it covered the entire torso of the soldier. It was designed to protect the most vital organ of the body, the heart. And see, the heart is the real battlefield in this war. In the Bible, the heart represents the will, the emotions, the mind, and it is the essence of what we are. Your eternal destiny is determined in your heart. Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. How you think, how you act, the person that you are or will become is all determined in your heart. Psalms 23.7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And the heart of Satan's attack is the attack on the heart. And what Satan will do is he will come to your heart and he will try and tempt you to sin. And then the moment that you sin, he condemns you because you sinned. He is the accuser. 
And he loves to remind us of our sins. He loves to bring them up to our attention and dig up old dirt and throw it in our face. He loves to rattle all those skeletons in our closet. And he does that until we become doubting Christians and then become depressed Christians and finally become defeated Christians. That's why it is so important to wear the breastplate of righteousness because when you do, you can distinguish between the convictions of the Holy Spirit and the accusations of the devil. See, the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to convict us. Satan uses feelings to condemn us. When the Spirit convicts us, it draws us closer to God. But when Satan condemns us, it drives us away from God. The Spirit convicts you of unconfessed sin so you can get right with God. But Satan accuses you of sins you've already confessed so that you don't feel right with God. And when all that happens, and let me be honest, it happens to every single one of us, you have to take up the breastplate of righteousness. And let me tell you what that means. When the Bible talks about righteousness, it refers to sometimes to positional righteousness and sometimes to practical righteousness. And here's the difference. When God saves you, He declares you righteous once and for all. We call that justification. But there is also righteousness that God wants to manifest in my life day by day. And we call that sanctification. And we need both to ward off the darts of the devil. Right? 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So the next time Satan comes at you with the dagger of condemnation in his hand and he tries to give you the spirit of disapproval, tries to make you think that you are not right with God... Make sure you have on the breastplate of righteousness. And you tell them, Satan, I am in the righteousness of God in Christ. And nothing you can say and nothing you can do will ever change that. And you know what happens? That dagger of disapproval breaks off in his hand against the breastplate of God's righteousness. Third, we see the gospel of peace. And it's for the darts of deception. He says this in verse 15. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. One of the most important pieces of equipment for a soldier is his boots. Without good boots, he couldn't march. He couldn't stand and fight. And so attached to the sole of the Roman soldier's boots were bits of metal and hobnails. And, and that was so that he would have good traction and good footing in case he had to fight on a wet field or slippery cliffs. I mean, it's important for soldiers to keep their feet because no soldier can fight flat on their back. That's why we're told we have to have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And this peace, that's the peace that comes from believing in the gospel. It's the peace that comes from knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But think about this. If you are at peace with God, you are at war with the devil. See, this is why spiritual warfare is so different from natural warfare. Right? In the natural world, when you avoid war, you are at peace. But in the spiritual world, you only have peace when you are at war. The only way to have peace with God is to be at war with the devil. 
And when you declare war on the devil, he declares war on you. That's why you need to have good boots on. Because as you walk through this life, you're going to walk through those thorns of temptation. Those thistles of tribulation. You're going to step in the landmines of lust and climb mountains of misery. But if you have your feet fitted with the preparation for the gospel of peace, you can crush the thorns and you can climb the mountains. See, remember, it is not what happens to you in life that is important. It's how you react to what happens to you that really matters to God. And if you are at peace with God, you can withstand any storm that may come your way. I read about an elderly woman. She was living in an apartment building with her family in London during World War II. And the Germans came and they bombed all around this apartment all night long. And, and the next morning they began to search among all the buildings and the ruins for, for the dead and the missing. And lo and behold, they came upon this old grandmother sound asleep in her bedroom. And someone woke her up and they asked her, they said, how in the world could you sleep with all the bombing going on? And she said, well, it says in the Bible, he that keeps Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. So I figured there was no need for both of us to stay awake all night, so I went to bed. Her feet were fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Next is the shield of faith for the darts of doubt. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now back then, the, the shield was a defensive instrument. It was often covered with leather and it was soaked with water. See, in the New Testament time, the tips of the arrows would often be wrapped in pieces of cloth and soaked in pitch and tar. And then they would be lit on fire. And so these flaming darts would be shot at Roman soldiers. So these shields not only defended them against the flaming arrows, the, the wetness, the water would actually put out the fire. And I believe this shield is to ward off the darts of doubt. See, the Bible tells us without faith it is impossible to please God. See, if faith is what pleases God, doubt is what pleases Satan. And the devil loves nothing more than to get the people of God to doubt. See, first he tries to get us to doubt the word of God. Or he'll try to get us to doubt the will of God. Or try to doubt the works of God. But let me tell you this. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing sinful about doubt. I mean, some people think that if you doubt, it's a sin. But faith presupposes doubt. I mean, if there's no room for doubt, there's no room for faith. So don't be ashamed if you have doubts in your heart. Because let me be honest, <laughs> I've doubted. And I know Christians who claim they've never doubted their salvation, and, and I don't understand it. There, there was a woman that came up to Dwight L. Moody and said, Mr. Moody, I've been saved for 25 years, and I've never had a single doubt. And Dwight L. Moody said, ma'am, I doubt you've been saved. It's like somebody saying, we've been married for 50 years and we've never had an argument. You haven't really been married. <laughs> See, doubt in and of itself is not sin. It's what you do with that doubt that determines whether or not it becomes sin. 
See, doubt is simply an opportunity where we can strengthen our faith. And the way that you starve that doubt is to feed your faith. And the way that you feed your faith is with the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. See, when doubt comes your way, you need to say, I'm going to take God at His Word. I'm going to live according to His truth no matter what. But what happens so often is Christians take up their shield of feelings rather than the shield of faith. And the shield of feelings is, is well and good as long as you feel good. But when you begin to feel bad, the shield of feelings disintegrates right before your eyes. The only shield that wards off the darts of doubt is the shield of faith. So the next time the devil tries to bring doubt into your heart, look at him and say, Satan, come what may, do what you can, whatever you will, regardless of the circumstances, I'm going to believe in God. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Fifth, the helmet of salvation. It's for the dart of discouragement. Verse 17 says, to take the helmet of salvation. Right? Just like the breastplate protects your heart, the helmet protects the head. Because the two primary targets to any enemy is your head and your heart. And if Satan can't get to your heart, he's going to attack the head. And he's going to play mind games with you. And he's either going to try and make you think that you're lost or get you so discouraged that you think you're lost. And when that happens, you put on that helmet of salvation. See, the helmet is first the knowledge that you are saved. And it's also the confidence you can't lose it. You know, the Bible teaches two things about salvation. First, you can be sure of it. And number two, you can be secure in it. So when the devil gets you to doubt... Don't look at your past experiences. Don't look at how you used to feel. Don't, don't even pull out your baptismal certificates. Pull out the Word of God. I read about a little boy who went to a revival meeting. And while he was there, he received Christ as his Savior. And on his way home, he said Satan was tempting him. It seemed like Satan was just perched on his shoulder whispering, you're not saved. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not going to make it to heaven. And the devil was doing everything he could to make this little boy think he was lost. And the boy got home and he felt like he was just going through torment. And so he sat down on the couch. And finally he said to himself, you know, what was that verse the preacher preached? It was John 5, 24. And so he started repeating it to himself. It said, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that hears my word, he said, I've heard it. And he that believes in him who sent me, I believe in him has everlasting life, I've got it, and shall not come to judgment, and I'll never lose it. He said, I have everlasting life. Jesus said so, and he took the Bible, and he stuck it under the couch, and he said, there devil, read it for yourself. And he said, from that time on, the doubt left him. That's taking up the helmet of salvation. Finally, the sword of the Spirit is for the darts of disbelief. This is our final weapon. The sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. And remember, the first five were for our defense against Satan. But this is for our defeat of Satan. Because God does not always want us to be on the defense. 
Sometimes he wants us to be on the offense. General George Patton once said, you fight a war attacking from the front, not defending from the rear. See, we must take the sword of the Spirit and go on the attack. Now, the Roman soldier, they would have a short sword, about 14 inches long, and it was sharp at the end and on both sides. And it would cut both ways. And this sword that we have is the Word of God. Think about this. We have a defense for every weapon he has, but Satan has no defense for the one weapon we have. When we put on the armor of God, we can defend ourselves against his attack. But when we take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, he can never defend himself against us. I mean, think about it. When Jesus was alone in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights fasting, and then Satan came and tempted him. Right? And what was the one weapon that Jesus used against him? It was the Word of God. Each time, what did he say? It is written. He simply took the sword of the Spirit and he thrust it into Satan. But our problem is too many times we keep that sword in the sheath and we never pull it out. We need to be ready. Martin Luther preached a sermon in 1531. And even though it's almost 500 years old, he said something that, that I want to hear, want you to listen to. Because I think it's about our war. Here's what he said. Christendom must have people who can beat down their adversaries and opponents and tear off the devil's equipment and armor, though he may be brought into disgrace. But for this work, powerful warriors are needed who are thoroughly familiar with all the scriptures. But as not all Christians can be so capable in defending the word and articulates of their creed, there must have teachers and preachers that study Scripture and have daily fellowship with it so that they can fight for all the others. Yet each Christian should be so armed that he himself is sure of his belief and of his doctrine. That he is so equipped with the sayings from the Word of God that he can stand up against the devil and defend himself when men seek to lead them astray. Are you ready? Remember, as we close this morning, that if you take the armor of God every day and put it on from head to toe and go to battle with the sword of the Spirit, you will have victory. So are you dressed for battle? Do you have on the full armor of God? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? And are you in His army? If, that's not, if you're not, and that's what you desire, I invite you to come talk to me. Come visit with me. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have access to that armor every single day, and we must wear it as we go out into this world, as we do battle against Satan. Because that is how we will be victorious. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your armor. Lord, I pray you help us suit up daily in your word, your peace, that we might be ready for whatever the enemy might try and throw at us. God, give us your strength to do battle, that we might be victorious in you. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.